He was the giant German central defender with perfect English who came in to impress Kilmarnock manager Bobby Williamson during the pre-season of 1999. But he didn't reckon on Kelly History's latest guest. Freddie Dindaloo's sliding doors moment in that German training camp led to a new country, a new start, cult hero status and, in 2018, induction into the Kilmarnock Football Club Hall of Fame. This interview demonstrates Freddie's fondness for a special time in his career and the effort he put in to make the move a success. I'm Gordon Gillen and this is Freddie Dindaloo. failure to win promotion led to Freddie Dindaloo's release by hometown team Lille of French League 2 at the end of season 1998-99. I asked him to reflect on the importance of the famous Clairefontaine Academy, who supported him at that crossroads in his career. Yes, it was very important because that's right in France when your contract is up and you didn't sign anywhere else, you've got the possibility to go to Clairefontaine or somewhere else close to Paris, and I think it was somewhere else at the time, but it doesn't matter. 30 players who, are, who didn't sign anywhere yet trained together as a team. We were also playing friendly games, which obviously is very good to get fed. And I knew it was very important for me to do this before going as a trialist for Pemano. We played, uh, I remember, two games against German's team, and I think I had two good games. It wasn't easy, but of course, because I couldn't talk. But uh, obviously, I gave my best. I really wanted to sign for Kilmanok at the time. I knew we were playing Europe also this year, and it was also, for me, very important. And uh, I gave my best, and maybe uh, I had something different. I mean, for a French defender compared to a Scottish defender, I mean, to maybe my way to use the ball or to read the game, I don't know. But uh, Bobby was very clever to see that, you know, he always said to me that I wasn't the quickest, but my reading, my reading of the game will make up for that most of the time. So it was clever to see I was a good player from his point of view, basically. Did you know that Bobby was very interested in signing you? He maybe didn't want to show that he was too keen or too eager to sign you? To be fair, he didn't show anything. And uh, I remember when I first came to Germany, when I came to the training camp in Germany, we were two centre-halves. Me and a big German guy who could speak English, actually. So I was not very confident, you know. And the first game we played, the German guy played the first 45 minutes. And I said, oh, I'm on the bench. And I played the second 45 minutes. But as I said, I gave my best and I think I did a good job that day. The next day was away, so that was a good thing for me. <laughs> I wonder if in the Scottish game, yes. a big German defender might have yeah. been a more likely person to sign than somebody like you who reads the game. And what I mean by that is, did you find that your style yes. was suited to the Scottish game? Well, that's a good question, Gordon. Uh, maybe no at the beginning. and Obviously, I've been struggling a little bit at the start, but... Uh, I had to improve. I had to improve my game to adapt to Scottish football, to play quickly, and also to be stronger in the air, 
Yes, I think I did that, but it took me a little bit of time. I asked Bobby Williamson, the Kilmarnock manager with an eye for a Bosman free transfer signing, what Freddie did to adjust. He could hardly speak a word. And there was a communication problem with the, in the back four because Freddie was there and he wasn't communicating. So I brought him out of my office and I said, look, I think you're a fantastic player, but I can't put you in that team until you start to learn the language. Two weeks later, Freddie's talking. And I remember one morning they came in, there was, the value. he goes, no bad. And I thought, okay, he's learning, he's learning. Did you take any action in particular for that? No, my concentration was very up. Even when I couldn't speak, I was listening very, with a lot of attention to listen, to listen, to listen. And uh, when I first came, I remember I wanted to speak, but the, f- the first word you have come in French. But after six months, I was okay to, sp- to speak the way I wanted to speak on the pitch with my, my teammates. I think the first three months I was okay. I played good games for Kilmarnock, but then not so good. And before the winter break, I was not in the team. Bobby dropped me a couple of times. But what I would like to say with Bobby and Clarky and Tebe say, even when I was struggling, I always had that feeling they were behind me. And that was very important because sometimes when you're not doing the job, then the manager doesn't care of you anymore. But I always had that feeling they were behind me and they were confident I could do the job. And uh, I remember a game in, uh, in Spain. We went in Spain to the winter break. We had two games. The first game, I was in a team. So I played the second one against uh, a Dutch team. I can't remember, Erevan. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And we got beat 2-1 or 3-2. And that day, I got that feeling I could do the job. I could speak. That was it. The first game after the winter break, it was Celtic at home. I was not supposed to play, but I can't remember who got injured during the week. So that was me in the, in the 11. And that was the beginning of the, a good job for me for tomorrow. I don't mean this as a personal question, but I yes. wonder, you moved to Scotland with yes. a young fiancé and a young child. How much persuading did your fiancé take? I never had to persuade her, do you understand? She was okay to... My last year in football with Lille was pretty difficult. I've been injured, I didn't play a lot. I had a very good time at Lille also. I was a young boy, but uh, I've been captain a few times and I had a very good time. But the last year, I think I only played 10 games and I was injured and uh, they were doing well without me, so I didn't play. And uh, when my manager talked about moving to Scotland, obviously, Sylvie and I, we were up for it. To also, of course, for, for the football, to play in Europe, to play in the SPL, but also to discover a new country your culture, and uh, we were happy for six years in uh, living in Scotland, obviously. And my wife and my, my daughter also, and uh, I've got Luke, my son is born in Scotland, so it was good things. Was that always, as a player, was that always your mentality to think, I might like to try something like this? No, I've got to be honest, when I start to play football player for Lille, uh, you just think you want to play in France, you don't think about moving abroad, but my agent talked to me about Kilmarnock and uh, right away I said to my wife, I'm up for that. As I said, it was a great decision. Freddie, I'm assuming, I might be wrong, but I'm assuming yes. you're from Lille and you played yes. for Lille, that Lille would, have yes. been your, Lille would have been the team you followed when you were a young boy. 
Oh, exactly. I, I went to the stadium with my dad for the first time. I was uh, four years old. To play for Lille for me was just unbelievable because you're right, I'm a, I'm a fan of this team. I'm still a fan and we are playing to be to win the title this year. I don't know if you know that. That's a massive club now. It's not the same club as I used to play for. They built a new stadium with 50,000 people and uh, they've got, not like Premier League, but they've got big money. For the city and uh, Lille and the other team around Lille also, it's so good for, the, for us. Your final year at Lille, you were trying to get promoted back in to Exactly, Nika. that's right. Do you feel any extra pressure when you're playing for your hometown team versus a team that you don't support? No. Honestly, no. As I said, it was a dream come true and I, I gave my best and in every game like I did for Kilmarnock. It doesn't matter if I was a fan or not. Uh, and no extra pressure. No, no. No, no. It was just a pleasure to play for my hometown. And you're right, we got uh, relegated, which was a big blow, obviously. We missed two years the, to get promoted again, one point and one goal difference. But uh, that's life. And I've, when I left, they did very well, so that was good. <laughs> Jérôme Vray was already yes. there. Yes. And Christophe Kokar joined not long after you. Was there any sense of the French players socialising together? Of course, it was a small group. But uh, as you said, Jérôme was there. Before me, so he was on his own, which means for him he had to socialize with the other players. So we were as a group, but we were socializing also with Scottish players, I think. And Jérôme was very popular in the dressing room, so that was a big help. And I've got to say, I am very grateful. And if it wasn't for Jérôme, maybe my story with Kilmarnock wouldn't have been the same. Because when I first came, it was very, very, very important for me and my family. He's a, he's a great guy. And uh, when I first came, I just said to him, you, I can't believe you're on your own here. And a French guy, you know, to move, uh, to move abroad and to Kilmarnock on his own, it's just different class, you know. And uh, as I said, he was very popular. He was speaking brilliantly. And uh, for me, he was a Scottish guy. I was in Glasgow for one year. And then I moved to Givnock. And then I booked a house uh, when I signed a new contract. And uh, we booked in uh, Iskabraise. So that was good. So it was 20, 25 minutes, maybe 20 minutes from Kilmarnock and 20 minutes from, from Glasgow. That was a good thing. I know that your daughter would have been very young at the time, but was it a yes. nice area to bring up a family? Yes, we were up in Iskabraise. And uh, she used to go, when we were in Givnock, she used to go to a nursery in Newton Mans. And then when we moved to Iskilbright, she went to school, obviously, and the school was brilliant. The teachers were absolutely fantastic with Charlotte. So we were happy in Iskilbright as a family. Our neighbors were great also. Celtic fan and Rangers son, obviously, but they were a good guy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I suppose there's an element of, in France, you were playing for a good team in Lille. Yes. In Scotland, you played for a good team that's Kilmarnock. Yes. But Kilmarnock because of its status in Scottish football, your yes. neighbour would probably know who you were. He yes. would probably know that you are Freddie Dindaloo from Kilmarnock. Did you get recognised a lot? Not so much, to be fair. Of course, in my, uh, in my street, yes. But uh, when I was going to Glasgow, not so much. Not so much. It sounds like maybe that's a, the nice combination then of being quite a high-profile player in a high-profile team but yes. also having your privacy. Exactly, I enjoyed that. 
that was very important for me. And maybe after they knew, they knew who I who I was, but uh, because I was French, maybe they didn't come to speak to me. I don't know. But as you said, I was happy like this to have my little bit of privacy with my family. Exactly. Freddie, you as a player. Yes. Now, I'm speaking as a fan, and I will edit little bits out where I make myself look a bit silly. But I personally was a yes. huge, huge fan of you yes. as a player. Thank you, brother. Well, I th- but I think everybody was. I think you would realise that as well. You would know how popular a player you were. But how would you describe yourself as a player? Yes, it's difficult. As I said, to come from France and to go to Scotland, you know, which country has his, has his own way to play. And uh, I think maybe I broke something different. I said to how to use the ball from the back with maybe more composure from uh, the Scottish defender, maybe. And the long hair, Gordon, the long hair. <laughs> you were a very distinctive character. Yes, exactly. In terms of appearance as well. Exactly. But uh, to be fair, I never had long hair before. I had long hair because I couldn't speak English, so I couldn't go to the hairdresser. Is that true? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I said that to Jerome. I never had long hair before. And when I came back, I had an haircut. Uh, once, I think, in Kermano. And uh, I think Sandy Rand said to me, oh, you had a haircut, you lose your, you lose your strength, like Samson. And he got it right. I've been, I've been rubbish for one month after that. <laughs> That's true. At the beginning, I, obviously, Jan Durand, Koisti, I couldn't understand a single word. So that was very difficult for me. But uh, that was a very good dressing with a lot of experienced players. Obviously, Durand, I couldn't understand, but he was, uh, how can I say? Wide the uh, players up. He was very good because everybody was laughing. So should have been funny. And Koisti was a great guy also to everyone. And he was also very good to give uh, tips. He was a very professional player, a good, a good player also. Of course, he was towards the end of his career. So was Jan, but they were two good players and two strong characters, two winners. I could feel that, especially with Jan. I've got two players who used to give me, and they were right. Huh? I'm not saying... Uh, I've got two players when I was near doing the job on the field. It was uh, Mark Riley and Jan Durant. You have to have a go at me. But it's fair enough. It was, they were right. I was near doing the job. And Mark Riley, come on, Fred, come on. Jan was even harder, but not saying this on, on the video. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they were right. Huh? You're a football professional player and you're getting paid to do a job and you're not doing it. So they were winners, you know, so you're here to, to win the game. And when I was struggling, because I was playing behind them. So when you do a mistake, they have to run to make effort because I made a mistake. So but they were a good guys, but uh, they used to have a go when I first came. I'm tempted to say that if you made a mistake and they had to run to, to cover that mistake, Ian Durant of probably would yes. like that. No, <laughs> he, used, he was running, but he didn't like it. <laughs> and, uh, but he was a great player, of course. And with the ball, he was different class. I remember that ball for uh, when we won 3 nothing at Highbrook. The ball he gave to Gary Holt for the, I think it's a second goal. It's just a great ball, just on his run. And obviously, Holt did, did very well to finish it. But what a ball that was from Jan. Freddie, that maybe makes me think a little bit about the players that you played against. When you signed for Kilmarnock, you were signing yes. for a new experience, for a team in a top league the top league in their country. Did you expect to be playing against players like Ronald De Boer and Andre Kanchelskis? 
Yes, because you know when you go in USPL, playing in USPL, you're going to play against uh, Rangers and Celtic. And obviously, they had some very, very good players at the time. For me, the number one was Henrik Larsson for Celtic. He was just a different class. And uh, he was also a very confident guy, which means, I mean, you could do well and win the battle against, against him nine times of nine, but he knew the tenth times he will, he will score, he will do something. And I could feel that against him. And uh, he was a great player, different class. You've talked about the positional sense that you had to read the game. Was centre-back yeah. always going to be the position that you wanted to play, or left-back, centre-back? Was it always defence that you had in mind? Yes, to be honest, when I was uh, 19, 20, 18, I was playing uh, left-back when I was younger. But then uh, when I start to train with, uh, with the first team, we had the friendly game in the pre-season and uh, I played left-back and I, had, I didn't play very well. I didn't play well. And the manager said to me, you, know, you won't be playing left-back anymore. And that, that's, that was it. I moved to centre-back and that was better for me because obviously even at 19-20, I wasn't the quickest. So it was better for me to play centre-half, exactly. What game do you think was your personally your best performance? My best and uh, the world team were, were different class. When we won three nothing at Ibrox, it was like in a dream. We were very, very strong at the back. The midfield was great and the two up front. I think it was Christophe Kukar and uh, Andy McLaren was flying. Just think it was easy to win three nothing there, but it happens only once in six years. So it was like in a dream. Too much of that in the pass. And he played Dundala. And he has it again. Cook to his right. McLaren to his left. It's Cooker. And now McLaren. Danger again for Rangers. It's an own goal. In off after Newman. And surely now Kilmarnock have sealed the three points. Midway through the second half, Rangers incredibly three goals to nil down at home to Kilmarnock. Andy McLaren again doing the damage, came off the goalkeeper Christensen into the stride of Arthur Newman and the result nothing he could do other than trundle that one into the back of the net. And a stunned silence around Ibrox. It's 3-0 Kilmarnock and some already have seen enough. You intercepted the ball. Yes. And, and you came forward and you passed yeah. it out wide. When Arthur Newman scores the own goal, you were in the six-yard box, the Rangers' six-yard box. Okay. Oh, I can't remember. I think that's the only time, only one time I've been to the six-yard box at Haybrooks. <laughs> You say it happens once in six years, a performance or a scoreline like that. But yes. that team in 2000, 2001, I think yes. it was the fourth place finish in the end, as well yes. as a cup final. Yes. What were the specific things that team did well to achieve so much? Under Bobby, we were well organised. We were working uh, as a team. We were working hard. I think Andy McLaren brought us a lot of skills up front. Him and Cocard, Cocard, I knew him from France. He was a good player. Even 
maybe he could have done more for Kilmarnock, but he was a good player. And in midfield, when Jan was fat, he was great. Alan Maus, Alan Maud for me was a very, how can I say, underrated player. And we had also Gary Holt and uh, Harley Mitchell. We had some good players. Uh, so we were a good team. Big Marsh in the goalie was great. Lucky left back. We were a complete team with no weakness. And I think we were hard to beat. You enjoyed your six years as a family yeah. in Scotland. Moving home, that was always on the agenda, long-term, moving back to France. Yes. Uh, yes. I mean, I could have finished my uh, career at Kemarnock. At some point, I was thinking about it. But I just felt at some stage, after six years, everybody knew your strength, your weakness. I really feel I needed a new challenge to prove myself again. It was... It was very important. And I think that was the right choice at the time. Well, you went on to do very well in Belgium as well. Yes. After that. Yes. We also, we had, it was a small team actually just promoted in the Belgian team, but uh, with some good players. And the first year we we finished like in the top six, six in, a, in the Belgium league and we won the cup. And then we had a great run in Europe for a small team like we were. It was, it was, it was a good thing. We had good players also. It was the same kind of dressing room I, when I first came to Kilmarnock with experienced players. At Kilmarnock, how did the experienced players make you feel welcome? Because obviously not speaking English, how did the players integrate you into the dressing room? I've got players who were very important. Of course, Jerome, but he was French. But uh, if we're talking about Scottish players, uh, one guy was... I was very close to him, and he was a centre-half, and he was a great guy for me. He's Jim Lockland. He was uh, he was close to Jerome, so we ended up close together, and uh, we were playing together sometimes centre-half, so he was very helpful on the on the field and off the field also, because I couldn't understand Jim. He was not talking so, so quick. Him and Gordon Marshall was the same. I couldn't understand a little bit. And uh, so Jim was very important. Big Marsh was different class also. A great guy in the dressing room, a uh, leader. Off the field, he was also giving me some uh, some tips to do to do better. So it was important to me. I read an interview with you, Freddie, from... It might have been just before you left Kilmarnock, or it might have been just after you left. Yes. But you talked about the importance of... Well, it must have been just after, but you talked about the importance of setting up your business and maybe coaching or involvement in football later yes. might happen. Is it something that you've thought about? Well, about my business, that was right. And I did it because uh, I left Kilmarnock in 2005 and we bought the business we still got now in 2007. And you have that shop, you're open seven days a week. You've got no time to be involved in, in football anymore. I talk about it every day with uh, customers, but I'm not involved in football anymore. When people go into your shop, Freddie, and, and I guess because you are because you're a local and you've been in that shop for, for several years, do they ask you about Lille? Do they ask you about your time at Lille? Or do they know you more as the shopkeeper? Or do they know you more as the footballer? Both. I've got a lot of, uh, of course, uh, Lille fans. And also, because I'm between Lille and Lens, which means like Kilmarnock and Air, you know, so I've got French uh, Lille fans and I've got Lens fans. And of course, we're talking about the game. It was uh, 
lance Lille uh, Friday night where Lille won three nothing. That, that was great. And uh, it's funny, it's funny sometimes. But uh, they know me as a football player and also as a news agent. Were you expecting to be inducted into the Kilmarnock Hall of Fame? No. I was saying to my wife, I was very surprised. And then the, how I've been uh, welcomed, it was just, for me, unbelievable. After, I think it was 13 years, I didn't go to, the, to Kilmarnock to Rugby Park. So it was just a great memory for me. And uh, Sylvie couldn't believe how popular I was. So that was great. Very grateful of this and uh, very proud also. I'm trying to imagine the sense of achievement for someone who has, I mean this in a nice way, but you took a gamble yes. to come to Scotland. Your then fiancé and your young daughter over, yes, speaking no English. Yes. The sense of achievement to then be in the Hall of Fame, it must be quite significant. Yes, when I first came, if you said to me, uh, you will have uh, how. I don't know, how do you call it? I've got uh, at the stadium the... A plaque? A plaque. That's, that's the same word in France. If you said to me when I first came, you will have a plaque on a rugby park in 2018. I don't believe you. It's just unbelievable. And uh, yes, I'm, as I said, I'm pretty proud. And that's a great achievement for me. It was a great night also to see Bobby Clarke. Clarke was also very helpful to me, Jim Clark. Great guy, great. How can I say? To educate the players, but you don't need to be educated when you're in the first team, but he was uh, very good tactically. Mm -hmm. He was just brilliant. And also when I was training, as I said, he was always behind me. Ready, you will do it, you will do it. And just give me some tips also to improve my game. But to adapt to Scottish football, he was very helpful, Jim. As he said in the interview, Freddie Dindaloo works seven days a week and I am incredibly grateful that he gave me so much of his valuable time. Kelly Histories started in April 2020 and this is the first time the mask has slipped and I have used a line of questioning from the Why Are You So Good school of interviewing. I promise it will probably never happen again. Kelly Histories is made for the Kilmarnock FC Former Players Association. Find out more at www.killhistories.com or visit the podcast's Twitter and Facebook pages at Killy Histories. The series is made entirely not-for-profit, with every guest giving their time for free. If you like Killy Histories, please do leave a review where you listen. And also spread the word. The theme music, Clear Progress, by scottholmesmusic.com is used under free Creative Commons license. I'm Gordon Gillen. See you next time.
clever corner, but he just changed the angle here to allow Andy McLennan to play in from a different angle. That allows D'Angelo to go and attack it. Cleverly worked corner. Perfectly weighted ball in. And D'Angelo rises well. He's not on challenge, but he's always getting ahead of Gordon Petrus there. And it's a clean header. And Bobby Williamson here was only going into one place. Third of the season already. It has become a firm favourite with the Kilmarnock fans. 